Testing? All right. Um, let's see. I'm going to be reading the scripture for tonight um, that Kirsten's going to be preaching on. Um, so you can just follow on the screen behind me, hopefully, if it gets up. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and start. It's from uh, John 10, uh, verses 1 through 18. Um, it says, uh, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd on the sheep, shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in, he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and uh, have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not, who, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me, just as, my father, just as the father knows me and I know the father. And I lay down my, my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the father loves me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Thanks, Robert. Um, I'm just going to apologize ahead of time. I have a little cold, so if I, you know, drink some tea, bear with me. Um, so the Good Shepherd. I am sure that many of you guys have heard the Good Shepherd used before, whether it is Psalms 23 that he walks us beside still waters, or maybe you've seen a good number of pictures of the Good Shepherd scattered throughout churches or perhaps in your grandma's living room behind a nice little frame. Pictures that often look like this one here, happy, nice Jesus holding the sheep so close to him. And these pictures, these pictures are great. They're nice. The, the, the purpose behind them is to show us the kindness and the gentleness behind this good shepherd's actions and his, is his heart. But I think if a sh shepherd were to see these pictures, they would look at it and be like, those are airbrushed. I mean, shepherds were, they're in the midst of sheep all the time, and I don't know if you've been around sheep much, but they don't really smell very good at all. So these shepherds are kind of gruff and, and probably dirty, not really like nice hair like this picture. And shepherds, they are kind and they are gentle, but there's also this other side to them, a side that kills wolves and lions and bears. They're very hardcore. They are. 
Then, then we also have the shepherd that's not just kind of standing still, but a shepherd actually, the point of a shepherd is to take the sheep on a journey, to guide them, to shepherd them from one place to another. So tonight, what we are looking at with this good shepherd is a question of, do we, do we see the good shepherd as, as this nice picture that hangs on our grandma's wall? Or do we see the good shepherd as someone that we journey with? I have gone on lots of trips, and every time before I go on a trip, kind of have these like freak outs. Um, I'm not very good at packing. So thinking about going on a trip, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have to pack for it. And so I end up spending a whole afternoon like packing and then I pack too much. And so I get embarrassed. And so I unpack it and repack it. And it's just this big scene. And then I begin to ask these questions of, okay, who's going to watch the dog? And well, maybe I'm going to miss out on doing this and this and this. And so, gosh, maybe I, I just shouldn't go on this trip. And I think similar to my kind of roadblocks, my apprehensives about why I don't go on these trips or what makes me scared is kind of similar to why maybe we leave this picture of the Good Shepherd up on the wall and don't actually journey with him. And so tonight we're going to be talking about three truths that Jesus explains in these passages. And in these three truths, are things that I think sometimes we don't believe, and these, these are the reasons why maybe we don't journey with him. So before we jump in, I'm going to pray for us tonight. Um, Father God, goodness, I'm um, grateful that you are good. I pray that... Um, through, through my foggy brain right now, that you are clear. Um, I pray that you allow me to shepherd everyone in this room into a deeper knowledge and love of you. Um, yeah, thanks for this evening. In your name, amen. The good shepherd actually talks to you talks to you. I'm not like waving at the person behind you and you're like, oh, the good shepherd is speaking to you. In this scripture that we read earlier, he says, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice so well that they can discern when he's saying, okay, come on, we're coming out. Okay, come on, follow me. They know the shepherd's voice so well that they can discern when it is a stranger talking and they, they hear and like, nope, not listening to you because I know that it's not good. In this whole passage, it's talking about us as the sheep and Jesus as our shepherd. And so do you, do you discern the voice of the Lord? Do you discern when he is saying, come on out, come follow me? 
Can you discern his voice from, from a stranger's voice who is calling at you? But you instead say, nope, that is not the voice of my good shepherd. And maybe some of you are like, yeah, maybe I could discern it, but first I need to hear his voice. Maybe you don't hear it. Because it says here he, he's talking. So are we not listening? I think a lot of us, there could be different reasons for, for why we don't hear God, but for a lot of us, the volume of everything else in our life is so loud. We have things banging at us, screaming at us. Our iPhone, Snapchat, Instagram, our parents, our friends, our professors, Netflix, billboards. Any and everything seems to be loudly screaming for our attention. So how can we hear anything else? My husband, Jonathan, is a very typical male when it comes to screens. He could be looking at his iPad and I could be sitting on the couch next to him and talking and he hears me but doesn't actually hear anything I have to say. And if it is so easy for, for us to just get consumed by one thing, how do we expect to hear if all of these things are talking at us? Or another example, if you you probably, a lot of you have classes that discussion is a big part of it. And so you go into class and your professor is teaching and then he says, okay, here's the discussion question. And no one answers. And the room is silent. And then all of a sudden, all you can hear is that buzz of the fluorescent light. And that buzz is so loud that it seems to be all-consuming. Where a couple minutes before, you didn't hear it at all. But when there was silence, it was pretty clear. And with these things that are so loud, we, we look at pictures of the way that God communicates and pictures in the Old Testament, we, we see that he has a pretty soft voice. In the story of Elijah the prophet in 1 King, he asked God, he said, God, I would like to see your presence. And so God's like, okay. And so Elijah goes and is in a cave and a, like a windstorm comes by. Elijah says, the presence of the Lord was not in the windstorm. And then an earthquake. It's like, not, not in the earthquake. And then a fire. Not in the fire. But then, a still, small whisper, a breath. And it was in that that he heard the voice of the Lord. In this soft breath whisper. Well, if everything around us is so loud, why doesn't God just talk louder? Well, a couple things. I mean, first of all, he talked pretty loud on the cross, died and resurrected. But then I, th I think that maybe he talks softly for us. That all of these loud noises aren't really doing us any good. But he wants us to quiet down. In fact, in learning about sheep this week, I learned that sheep don't like loud noises. And that shepherds will get sheepdogs that don't bark 
because the barking scares the sheep. When there's too much noise, the sheep get anxious. We're not at all like sheep, are we? Nobody in this room has ever gotten anxious from too much noise and too many things going on. So I wonder if God's voice is quiet so that we may be quieted, so that our souls may rest and be restored as he speaks to us versus another loud noise. The good shepherd is actually speaking to you. Will you turn down the volume, lean in and listen to him? Is the good shepherd worth it for you to turn the volume down? Or using another word for worth, is this good shepherd good enough for you to turn down the volume? And that leads us to the next statement. The good shepherd actually is good. Through this whole passage in John 10, Jesus is fleshing out what it means to be a good shepherd, not just a shepherd, but a good one. I have been through a lot of different journeys in my life, and probably the hardest one that I've had to walk through so far was um, my dad and the process of him dying. And about five and a half years ago, I flew out to Seattle for him to have a brain, um, brain surgery. And in the middle of his brain surgery, he had a stroke. And he wakes up from the, from the surgery and can't move the left side of his body. Yet as he was awake, all he could do was talk about how good God was. All he could do was rejoice and sing and sing the same song over and over and over again. Yet in this time, the rest of my family was like, how do you say that this is good? And this is a question that I wonder if you have ever allowed yourself to ask. I get into lots of conversations with, with many of you, and, and it seems that sometimes this is the root of a lot of questions. Do you believe that God actually is good? Are you functioning out of a mentality of a good God? And if you've never asked that or wrestled with that, do it. I'm not scared of what you're going to find out. I believe that he is a good God, he tells us. And as you wrestle with it, things that will come up, you'll begin to figure out maybe that your definition of good looks different than the definition of good that Jesus gives us in the Good Shepherd. There are churches out there that their definition of good is picketing funerals and bombing abortion clinics and killing people in the name of Jesus and living a kuna matata, no worries life. Those are their definitions of good. What's yours? And maybe as you wrestle with this, is the good shepherd actually good? You'll begin to, to come up that, that the God that you, you see doesn't look at all like this good shepherd. He doesn't look like Jesus. And 
this whole sermon series that we've been going through, that's what he said, where we are going through the words of Jesus, what he says about himself. These are all descriptions of who God is because Jesus is the fullness of God in the flesh. And so all of these descriptions are of God. And so does this God that comes out of your wrestling look like Jesus? And if he doesn't, I urge you to figure out why. What Jesus does for us in John 10 is he gives us his definition of good, of who this good shepherd looks like. And he does it by contrasting the good shepherd to the thief or to the hired hand. And so we're going to look at, at these comparisons to get Jesus' definition of, of good for us. Will you put that up on the screen for me, Daniel? Thanks. So the thief sneaks in, but the good shepherd is the entrance. He enters directly through this gate. Good is straightforward. The thief is not recognized by the sheep. The good shepherd is recognized. Good is known. The thief scares the sheep. The good shepherd is someone that the sheep voluntarily follows. Good is trustworthy. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The good shepherd comes to bring life and life abundant. Good is life. The thief comes to scatter. The good shepherd comes to bring his sheep into one flock. Good unites. The thief attacks. The good shepherd fights for his sheep. Good protects. The hired hand abandons. The good shepherd finds the abandoned and brings it home. Good does not abandon, but brings back the lost. The hired hand cares nothing about his sheep. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep because he cares so much. Good sacrifices itself for others. And then he continues on and he says that he leads, he calls by name, he goes ahead of, he knows. This picture of good that Jesus is showing us in the Good Shepherd is one of a selfless love. It's a good that unites, that protects, that offers life. Is this your picture of good? Do you want to get behind that? So Jonathan and I also have very different tastes in movies. And not only do we have different tastes in movies, but we have different ideas of how many times you should watch a movie. See, growing up, we had like four VHSs. We had Aladdin, Field of Dreams, Angels in the Outfield, and then like the musical Peter Pan, not the Disney one. And so my brother and I had to watch them over and over and over again. So then when the world of Netflix came, I was like, why would I ever watch a movie more than one time? Like, I can watch so many. Jonathan, on the other hand, loves to watch the same movie over and over and over again. Especially Karate Kid. It is his fave. So often I'll be going through the living room, and the scene of Daniel 
asking Mr. Miyagi, hey, teach me karate, and him saying, yes, okay, I'll teach you karate. So Daniel shows up at Mr. Miyagi's house, and he's like, okay, ready to learn karate. Mr. Miyagi takes him out back to the cars, and he says, wax on, wax off. Then he takes him to his floor, and he says, okay, sand. Then he takes him back to his fence, and he tells him to paint. And Daniel had shown up assuming he was going to learn karate, yet was having to do all of this dirty work, so he thought. And yes, he got frustrated and was confused, but he trusted that Mr. Miyagi was good. And so he did this, and and he eventually learned karate through this technique that he didn't quite understand. So for us, how often do you... Maybe we not understand the methods, the techniques of this good shepherd. Yet because we trust that he is good, we step into them. Some of the methods of God make no sense. Go, forgive that person that hurts you so bad. What? Love your enemy. But because we trust that God is good and that his goodness is bigger than ours, we freely step into this obedience. The good shepherd actually is good. And then thirdly, the good shepherd actually knows you. He knows each of you. One of my least favorite things about Christmas are Christmas lists. I do not like them. I don't like giving anybody a gift off of a Christmas list or receiving a gift off of a Christmas list. Because for me, presents are about knowing someone. And receiving a present is about feeling known by them. And so the only thing a Christmas list does is tell you that I know that I looked at the list. And so when I hear that, the good shepherd knows me, that is so exciting for me. The scripture tells us that he knows us by name and that the shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know the shepherd just as the father knows the son and the son knows the father. That he has this deep, intimate knowledge of us that is as deep as the Father and the Son's is, and then they're one. So he knows our depths, our darkest points. And even when we have run off, we have not run off too far where he doesn't know us. Even when we are lost in the thistles and the thorns, we read in other parables, Luke 20, especially where where it says that the shepherd goes and finds that lost sheep. So they are not forgotten about are not known, but he is there to take them out of these thistles and put them on his shoulder close to him and carry him back. And he knows when we are walking with these wolves and these bears and these lions around us that are so scary. He knows that we feel that way and he wants to protect us. And he knows you and you think, hmm, I'm just kind of hiding out in the flock. Nobody sees me. He knows you and he knows your name. 
And he also knows, like, the fun parts about us, the things that we love to do and, like, the goofy parts and the quirks and all of that. He knows those things, too. The first time that I really, like, grabbed a hold of, of this was on Jonathan and I's second date, and we stopped at a subway. And I was like, God loves to give good gifts to his children. What? There's this passage in Matthew 7, and Jesus is talking to his disciples and some people, and he says, if, if your son were to ask you for a loaf of bread, would you give him a stone? Or if he were to ask you for a, a fish, would you give him a serpent? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more then does your heavenly Father know how to give good gifts to you? And this passage came alive to me because this guy I was dating, I know it sounds silly, but he wanted to go to Subway. And I love Subway. He didn't want to go to McDonald's. And it, it was these list of things that were on, like, no way an essential of a guy that I have to marry list. But they were, he were going to make a rap video instead of send out a save the date card. All of these fun little things that, that showed up in Jonathan that made me realize that God likes to give me good gifts and really fun ones and that he knows me in that. If you actually believe that God is speaking to you and he knows you and he is good, do you think the way you make decisions will be changed? Do you think you making a decision about a major is going to look different? Would you turn down the volume of the world saying you have to make this much money, this equals success? Would you lean in and listen to a God that that created you, that gave you these passions in your heart, and he wants good for you. So your love for elderly people or special needs, that's not forgotten about or closed down to you. Would it change the decisions you make in unhealthy relationships? Would it change the decision you make to text that girl, that guy, tonight at one in the morning because you're lonely? Would it affect you turning the volume down of this screaming in your head that you will be alone forever if this one doesn't work out? And would you lean into a God who says that he is good and that he wants abundant life for you? If we actually live believing that this good shepherd actually is good, actually speaks to you, and actually knows you, we're going to make much different decisions. The last six months of my dad's life, he, he was different. The stroke had affected his brain for sure. There's things about him that were still very much the same. He probably could have won Jeopardy even the day before he died. Just great at the trivia. But he was, he was changed, and, and part of it he was changed and was, was a lot more gentle. And I was able to have this beautiful, restored relationship with him that I can look back and be excited about those last six months, as opposed to angry about the, all those years in the past. And that these gifts were given to us in the midst of it, 
gifts of conversations about random kids' names that he thought I should name my children or just naming bathrobes and random things like that, that I had these fun, great memories and gifts that we were given, that we were allowed to live this abundant life even in the midst of him dying. And I do not think at all that God gave this brain tumor to my dad. But this good shepherd shepherded me through this time and offered me and him these great gifts in the midst of it. And then what happens for us is that Jesus begins to transform us into these good shepherds as well. That he allows us to guide people around us. He lets us be good. He lets us listen. He lets us know others. I have had a beautiful picture of what someone near me looks like as a shepherd. Uh, my old boss, David, was, was the epitome to me of, of a shepherd. He, he walked into the muck of my life and guided me out into greener pastures, encouraged me out of that dirt. He always was telling staff, find a place that gives you life. Do things that give you life. He encouraged abundant life. He wanted us to be still. He'd send us on silent retreats and encourage us to have just a discipline of silence so that our heads would not be so loud that we could hear the voice of the Lord. He wanted unity. He even wanted to put a grocery store down the street so that people would be unified around a grocery store and around Christ. He sacrificed his time and his energy often for those of us around him. And he encouraged me to look at Jesus, the Good Shepherd. And he encouraged me to be transformed into this Good Shepherd as well. And the Lord wants that for you. There are sheep all around you that want to be seen, they want to be heard, they want to know good, they want to be known. So will you begin to wrestle with these questions? Because what Jesus is telling us is that the Good Shepherd actually speaking to you. And the Good Shepherd actually is good. And the Good Shepherd actually knows you. So if you believe these things, take that picture of Jesus in that frame off of your grandma's wall and begin to journey with him. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to read you a passage from Ezekiel 34. It is a passage that is probably one of the most convicting passages for me and one of the most comforting passages. It is a prophecy to Ezekiel of, um, against these people that were shepherding um, not shepherding well, and in a lot of the language sounds like what is happening right now in our world. And then it swoops in and God is like, okay, they're not doing a good job, so I'm coming in and I'm going to shepherd these people. So as I read this passage, what I want to offer to you is a chance right now to turn down the volume, turn down the things that are clamoring at you, and let God speak.
listen and lean in. I want to offer you a time to meditate on God's goodness and give you a chance to sit and be known by God. So I'm going to invite the worship team up while I read, and, and please take your time to just use this time in this space to, to sit, turn that volume down, and know that your good shepherd actually is good. Ezekiel 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds, thus says the Lord God, ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with the wool. You slander the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled over them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. They became food for all the wild beasts. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountain and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered all over the face of the earth, with none to search or seek for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord as I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, and my sheep have become the food for all wild beasts since there was no shepherd. And because my shepherds have not searched for my sheep, but my shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep at their hands and put a stop to them feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his sheep that have been scattered. And so I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from all the countries and I will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them with good pasture and on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. There shall they lie down in good grazing land and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them justice. And I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, will be their God. My servant David shall be prince among them. 
I am the Lord. I have spoken.